Hey there guys, Alex Lokes here, and this is our last episode of this season, so very appropriately, we have just finished a session in the darkroom and done some printing. Now, we have talked about darkroom before, but now we are coming out of it fresh from a print session, so let's roll it. Welcome to the Classic Camera Revival. Coming to you from the Greater Toronto Hamilton region of Ontario, Canada. If you don't have gear acquisition syndrome now, you most likely will by the end of the episode. Alright, so as we've always maintained, one of the most important things to do after you've taken the picture, you've developed it, you've processed it, print it. Print, print, print. It is very important and we all maintain that. Unfortunately, we don't often practice what we preach. Um, I don't know why Brian's sitting in the corner smoking a cigarette looking like... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh, Brian's really relaxed right now. <laughs> there Brian is. looks like a schoolboy who had an <laughs> overnight at the Playboy Mansion. Yeah. <laughs> There's just something about, you know, going into a room with that red light. With three dudes. Three other dudes. <laughs> Four Got dudes in total. Warm in there. <laughs> so, as we've Im implied, um, three of us here have done printing before, but for Brian, this was his first chance to actually experience um, traditional darkroom printing. So, Brian, what did it feel like? Well... At first, I was a little bit nervous, to be honest. Well, how many then, of us? How many? Then, wait a second. <laughs> oh, this what guy. did it feel like? <laughs> <laughs> oh, this could go in so many different directions. <laughs> you, you guys were very gentle with the whole process. You walked me through it. You held my hand. It was really... There was really? roses on oh, the uh, yeah. leading to the dark room. <sighs> when we turned the lights off, like... I, and Barry I White know. was playing the, the red background. light came on. <laughs> Little Al Green playing in the background. Was it Al Green or was it Barry White? Or Barry White, rather. Barry White. Then yeah. once I got my hands wet, I mean, wow. Okay. So I'm, I'm a huge proponent of printing. Um, as uh, I mentioned in a previous episode, I've been uh, a professional photographer for 13 years, and a huge part of my brand has always been to print. It's always been like for my clients, you're always going to end up with a wall portrait, prints on the desk, an album, a book, whatever it is. It's always print. And so um, for me, shooting personally on film, printing has always just been a natural thing for me. I've always gone on the digital side where I scan it and then I print it. I have a, an Epson 3880 at home, so I can do like just beautiful prints right at home. And I print everything that I shoot um, off on that thing. And so printing as a as a, in, a finished piece that you enjoy with your hands is something I'm super familiar with. But obviously darkroom printing was my first time today. So it was it was super cool. Like it was it's you know it's one of those things that's like I'm gonna sound like a like a millennial, but like you see it in the movies or you like you read about it or you see these things where it's like you're in the dark room and you've got the tray and the picture shows up in front of you. And for it's you, magic. Well and for you guys, I mean you guys are familiar with that, but like and everyone talks about the magic of it and like before, you know, twenty minutes ago. I had only heard about it, and then or just seen it on YouTube, or, or seen something. it on YouTube, yeah, yeah. yeah. or but, uh, Stranger Things, or Stranger, or that, Stranger yeah. Things, that yeah. whole thing right, where yeah. they had the dark room, and, and she people, kept opening the door, yeah, yeah, right. And people were saying, "What is this what red is room? This, what is this red room?" And Stranger, yeah, but no, I mean, honestly, it was like it was 
super freaking cool just to like to stand there and it, so the photograph that that I printed was a, a photograph of my three kids um, and just to see it come up there it was just like yeah it's kind of just like wild you know what actually I thought I thought the process would take so much longer so I almost like we put it we put it in the developer and I was like okay it's going to be this like slow thing like in a couple of minutes I'll see it and it was like within 10 seconds I was like holy shit there's a picture you see, that's your, like, you see that's your art come picture. to life eh? yeah and yeah. it was just like yeah, it was the coolest thing. I can totally see why you guys do it, why film photographers do it so much, why it's so addicting. Like, I hear people say they get lost in the darkroom for hours, and, like, I've never quite – I mean, I get the the passion for it, but I've never seen how that's possible until we just spent an hour down there, and it was like, oh, yeah, wow, I could definitely see how this is addicting. Yeah, yeah. and it, it's amazing. Like, you can see the time it takes and yeah. the artistry that's involved in printing. Like, you know, you do one thing, you're like, oh, crap, I'm – miss that or it's yeah. a misaligned here or I need to dodge or burn this or whatever. Yep. Like we did what three essentially three prints down there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And took just over an hour to do three prints and I'm sure for those three prints that we did we could probably spend another half an could, hour could on each print. For sure. And finessing it. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It just it makes the process complete. It again it it brings out it's so easy to scan your your film. Mm. And there's nothing wrong with that. It makes it so easy to put it up online, interact with the community. But the fact that you can get a finished product without needing to use a computer in that process is just a magical experience. You know, the interesting thing is we talked on a previous episode when we were talking about shooting film professionally. And um, I had sort of made the argument that a big part of it is about the story, right? Like when when you're photographing for clients, it's like... Can they see the difference between a digital and a film image if you've edited the digital to look like a film image? A client probably wouldn't, but there's a story that's attached to it. There's an experience that's attached to it. There's also our own our own creative fulfillment that's attached to it. But you know, a print like if I and I, that print that we made downstairs, I've printed that at home. Like I have a print of that at home. And if I were to put it side by side and you know go to my wife and say, "What do you think?" I mean, maybe we'd be able to tell the difference, but the average person wouldn't be able to tell the difference. But the thing that's so interesting is like I can now say that image was made with zero technology. Like I shot that on my M6, which I don't need technology in the M6. It's got a battery for the meter and that was it. I developed it using chemicals with my own hands and then we printed it in a dark room with our own hands in chemistry. And just that idea, like that story, I think is, that's why we, that's why we all do this, right? It was made by science. Well, yeah, it's, it's science. Yeah. It's proven science. It's, yeah. it's been perfected for decades. It's uh and again, I look at it, it is a handmade print. Yep. Like, I know people, I know hybrid printers, hybrid photographers who shoot analog, but then print via inkjet or uh, a Durst Lightjet printer. And there's nothing wrong with that. Oh, heck no. You run with what you feel comfortable with or what your circumstances allow. Not everyone has. Like, my personal darkroom at home is in a furnace room. It's like mm. literally, uh, I'll put you this way. The gimp from Pulp Fiction had better accommodations. <laughs> and we'll leave it at that. Uh, and, I, and, I, and James, uh, we were working in his darkroom. He's got a really sweet setup, uh, complete with a whole string of LED red lights that makes am- life easier down there. And oh, it does. Mood. Yeah, yeah definitely. For uh, the session. Yeah, like I, I was only yeah half joking, you know, Barry White and maybe Al Green, um, 
playing in the background. Um, but yeah, getting back to the again, James has a, a couple of enlargers uh, to choose from. We used like a um, a diachoric head. Yep. So I'm not. I I have a diachoric head enlarger. It's a Lights V35. I don't use it too often. I'm more been using my Devere 504, which is one this monster boat anchor of a condenser head enlarger, and I'm I just print 35 mil on it, which is really kind of almost overkill <laughs> yeah, in some cares? ways. But it's like literally, I'm used I'm used to using that, and it's like playing around with James is it's like okay, this is you know. I have an LPL digital one, but I don't have the foot pedal and it's just the ergonomics are different. So it's like, it's like, it's going into somebody else's space and you're creating art and it's kind of like, okay, I'm a little discombobulated because I have my workflow, but the James has his setup and it's like, you know, you have to find your way around a bit. But again, the, um, again, with the printing, there's just nothing like it. And I really only print, uh, in the spring and fall because in the wintertime I ski. So every weekend, I'm up on the slopes and at the end of the day, I'm about ready to crash. So, and of course, summertime, well, the weather's just too damn nice. So why would we want to be indoors? Uh, and again, just to, well, crash when yeah. it gets dark, but in you know, spring and fall when the weather's kind of like sort of bridge season. Yeah. That's when you go into the dark room and, and starts, you know, choosing out some stuff. So with this session, I, I chose a print, uh, a, a negative. I printed before 10 years ago an eight by 10. But I wanted a few more in a smaller format, five by seven, because there's a friend who fell in love with uh, one of those images, and I want to sort of kind of surprise her. And we'll see. <laughs> Absolutely, That's great. You never know what will come from uh, giving someone a handmade mm-hmm. darkroom print. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah, that'll go with a little note and saying, you know, because uh, she she really waxed lyrical about it. It was uh, just to sort of set it uh, in case we. I'll, I'll try and find the image somewhere. Uh, it's a shot of some people playing chess in Nathan Phillips Square at Toronto City Hall uh, about yeah. 10 years ago. Give yeah. Take. yeah. Well, I mean, it's one of those things where you, you kind of realize, like, you know, printing your work in a darkroom is, is really a labor of love, mm. you know, and then it, it goes with everything. Because, I mean, like, you know, you shoot, let's say you shoot 36 frames, you know, you might only want to shoot or print rather, you know, say 10 one, or 12 two, or one yeah. or two or whatever and you know because it, it, it's labor intensive um you know it takes a lot of experience and knowledge to that you need to build up over several darkroom printing sessions to kind of understand the nuances of how different papers work how different chemistry works you know and as bill mentioned like uh, setting up your darkroom is is really a uh, it's a it's a personal thing right i mean like there's certain principles that you can that you have to apply when you when you're you're building a dark room and you know for those that are contemplating it you know essentially when you're building a dark room you want to separate your dry area from your wet area your dry area is going to be where you're going to do have all your enlargers you're going to store your paper all your lenses all your easels etc anything that really requires electricity yeah you're going to keep that on one side of the room and then on the other sort other area of the room and then you're going to have your wet area and your wet areas where you're going to have your trays and your you know your water source and all that stuff and you don't need running water to set up a dark room uh, in your basement or part of your house you need close by access to water where you can like you know fill up some jugs mm-hmm. or whatever and mm-hmm. um, that's you know. my circumstances like i have access to sort of a basement laundry tub that's not even used really for anything other than my darkroom printing. So yeah. it, it kind of fulfills its needs. So I just short walk from the furnace to the... And you got to do what works for you, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, and, and you create your own workflow. Like, you know, my uh, the, my darkroom's big. 
by most standards, my darkroom looks like a commercial darkroom. Um, but that's just because I have an unfinished basement and I don't, I don't use it. So I was just fortunate to have that space. But, um, you know, I would, if I could do it again, I'd probably make it a little bit smaller and have less storage in there because it does, you know, it, after a while, back, walking back and forth from the enlargers, it just, you know, it takes up time. And sometimes you just want to quickly grab the you print, get your turn away in. from the darkroom. But yeah, you know, it's, um, but look, it's a personal thing. I think um, anyone that's into film photography, like the next stage of that exploration is is doing your own printing. And it it just brings so much like meaning and value to the work when you know that, uh, you know, you've used science, you've managed and influenced and created parameters around a chemical reaction. Yeah. And that chemical reaction has resulted in something. There's, And that's the thing. You make a darkroom print, no other print will look like that print. Mm. You can't even, re- you, you know, like there will always be a minor difference because chemicals will deplete in potency. Mm. You will not leave it in, you know, you'll do one print a few seconds longer in the developer or less or whatever in the fixer and et cetera. It's like a fingerprint. You know, whereas, exactly. they, you know, you scan a digital image, you can put it in the printer and yeah. you can print that image a thousand times and, and have the identical. Exactly the same. Yeah. Well, it's funny because I keep a notebook and I sort of have the settings like my DeVere, the height. Okay. The aperture I set the enlarger mm-hmm. lens at, what filters did I use? And I've been sort of experimenting a bit more with uh, split filter printing as done oh, by... Yeah. Uh, Lena Besanova, I sort of saw her YouTube video, and I and anyone who's looking to get into the whole darkroom, follow her on YouTube. Her her feed is a motherload of information. Information, and another one is like there's a gentleman who's sort of like a thought leader with Ilford Photo, and he kind of explained it as well. And it's really, it kind of mitigates some of the dodging and burning. Because you're just sort of getting a little bit more out of your yeah. negative than you would with just a straight. Okay, we got the filter dialed in at three, three and a half. Whether it's a diachoric head or you got the, the the three sheet or the three and a half sheet from Ilford in your little filter holder. So depending on how you're printing, depending on the enlarger, and again, also the print is going to look different from a diachoric head enlarger versus a condenser head. Yep. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. There is just so much in the way of variables. Just like when you're shooting and developing film, it depends on the filter you put in front mm-hmm. of the lens. The exactly. lens, yeah. the film, the chemistry, do you push, do you pull, yada, 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 yeah. yada, yada. Lots of different things to consider. And, and there is some technical knowledge that you need when you're printing as well, too. Like, you have to understand, depending on the type of enlarger that you're using, so essentially there's, in the black and white world, and I guess sort of color, I suppose, if, you know, um, there's two types of enlargers there's a dichoric that's used for color you can also use it for black and white and a condenser head enlarger that's only for black and white and a condenser head enlarger is going to typically get you a more contrasty image uh, as opposed to a a dichoric head a dichoric head tends to diffuse the light passing through the negative a little bit more so you know depending on the equipment that you're using it's going to have an influence on the output of your print Um, I like the convenience of a dichoric head when printing um, uh, 
black and white because you can dial in the filter settings. Absolutely. You know, as opposed to, you know, physically pulling out the filter drawer and sandwiching or, mm-hmm. or you know, putting in, uh, you know, different uh, uh, contrast filters, etc. Hoping you have the right filter. Exactly. And then, you know, and not dropping shit on your filter and creating a big, huge water spot on it and, <laughs> and blowing out 50 bucks right then and there. Um, but, uh, you know, one of the things for printing and for those that are just getting into printing... I like to have a minimum of a 10-second exposure. I prefer, you know, anywhere between, say, 12 and 18 seconds. Yeah, that's about right. You know, and the reason I do that is because I want the lamp of the projector to get to the right intensity and light temperature. Um, And not, and like, depending on what your light source is. So if you have a halogen light, it's going to take a little bit of time for that halogen light to get up to its proper intensity, as opposed to, say, an older incandescent light bulb on a condenser head filter Mm -hmm. is probably going to come up right away. But then you also have to bear in mind, you want to give yourself some time to dodge and burn and make any adjustments, unsharp masks, etc., um, that you might want to do, uh, and you can't you can't do that in less than ten seconds. Nope, unless no. you're the Flash. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it is just an absolutely wonderful final step to the process, yeah. and it doesn't take much to get your own darkroom nope. going. Um, I wanted to actually ask him about that because because I'm, I'm no I'm obviously no, like, no. guest oh, pretty yeah. hard over Brian, here. Brian, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, we have enabled Brian, our guest host, and he's like, yeah, uh, Brian's yeah, got high octane gas yeah, now, yeah. man. But so I guess my question for anyone else even considering this, right? Like, there's obviously the route of going like having a darkroom set up and doing it that way. But you also hear of like use the your, temporary pop-up you, bathroom darkroom. You can like use that your bathroom, thing, right? They sell a windowless um, bathroom yeah, yeah. will do the job. Yeah, like, they yeah. sell these uh, grow tents. Like if you want to grow your own weed at home right. or whatever, um, <laughs> or plants. Right. Um, you it's can, legal. It's all good. A, a yeah. botanical tent. It's legal here in Canada, so yes. uh, and several states in the yep. U.S. now. Um, but you can get one of these pop-up tents right. and set up a little table and with trays and a larger yeah. and a little red light in there. Or you can just use your bathroom, just get a towel and block the like. Yeah, well, absolutely. And, and, and just sort of use a small and larger, like say a Lights V35, yeah. or maybe something that you just like. You find a nice cart from IKEA that's sturdy, and, and its sturdiness is everything. Yeah. That's right. And just, you can put your enlarger on that. You roll it in. You can, like, uh, improvise your dry and wet areas. Because I know one guy I follow on Instagram, and he's been to a few of the Toronto Film Shooters photo walks. He lives in an apartment, and he's, like, doing it on his bathroom floor. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And he's doing good work with it. And it's just, but it's like, yeah. It's like, I think it's that's like, what Andre uh, That's what Andre does. Andre does. Yeah. He develops in his bathroom too, right? And so. the nice thing is, is that um, the Intrepid Camera Company out of the UK have basically adapted their 4x5 camera to become an enlarger. Yeah, and a 4x5 enlarger at that. Exactly. Huh. That's, so it's that's lightweight. Um, inexpensive, good, or at inex- least multi-purpose well, anyway. Well, I wouldn't necessarily put it as an expensive. It's still an expensive piece of equipment to buy. But it's also a camera. But it can work as a camera because the one thing you need to remember about darkroom printing is that you are taking another photograph. Mm -hmm. You are photographing your negative onto a piece of paper and it becomes a positive image. That's right. See, so so all these these, photographers that, that sort of, you know, talk smack about photographers film photographers that are digitizing with their digital camera 
It's no different than what we're doing in the dark room. We're just using no, of course not. Camera in the dark room. I mean, and you know, like for those of us that have grown up in the dark room, it's the same. Like it's the same nomenclature in Photoshop. Yeah, that you use in the dark room. Like, exactly. Like how there do you think Photoshop is, was born? Right. There is a dodge and burn tool yeah. tool yeah. in exactly. Photoshop, and yeah. you crop as well. You and... crop. You unsharp mask. That's you right. Contrast. You know. You can split tone, you can split filter in Photoshop, you can do all of these things. As long as there has been photography, there has been photography manipulation. Um, there were propaganda images made. They basically staged an orgy and then pasted the faces of the leaders of the Paris Commune onto these other images as negative propaganda for the Paris yeah. Commune. That's Photoshop, hands down. And that was yeah. done before computers were even invented. Yeah. You were superimposing on negatives as opposed to doing it on your computer. Yeah. Or, you know, just making a print, putting the faces on, re-photographing that mm. as the negative, and then reprinting it. You couldn't tell the difference. No. So um, what would be a good and larger for somebody to start with? Uh, God, there's so many of them out there. I I would find like a nice uh, like an Omega, a small like 35 millimeter uh, uh, type of enlarger. Like uh, I think it's mm. uh, like a D like a D2 or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Um, again, the same thing goes for scanners. Buy an enlarger or a scanner that the biggest negative that you think you will ever shoot. So if you have no intention of ever touching large format. Don't bother with something that can do 4x5. Get um, a Durst M60X series. And those are nice because they actually have adjustable masks in the holder. You just put your negative down, you adjust the masks, mm -hmm. and it can print. I think it can print up to uh, a 6x6 negative. So oh, sweet. You're, you're pretty good. Even if you're doing like um, half frame work, mm -hmm. you can you can print with that. You can print down to a half 35 millimeter frame, 35, 645, six by six. Um, and again, you don't have to worry about getting a, the uh, holders, the negative holders. Um, you do have to be careful about your lenses. If you are thinking of printing 35 millimeter, you really just need a 50 millimeter lens. If you're going into medium format, you're going to want something a 75 or an 80 millimeter. I go with an 80 myself for six by six. Yep. And um, like a 75 or 80 mil is a good all round lens. That's you, right. Yeah, Just can, go what the normal. Yeah. Unless lens you're shooting four by five. Is. Like if you're, you know, any 35 mil to medium, any medium format. Yeah. A 75 to 80 mil lens. Is and once perfect. you get up into four by five, you get like a 150 or um, 135 millimeter lens. And when you're doing like five by seven, eight by ten, you're just crazy. But that's just me. Huh. Now, um, talk to me about just because again, I'm I'm totally new in this whole space. Mm. Um, doing uh, like a contact sheet is that a process that because I don't I'm oh, completely naive. That's so, a process you yeah. do in the darkroom though. Yes. Yeah. So okay. contact yep. sheet basically works like this. Um, you get your you put your negatives in your um, uh, your file sleeves. file sleeves or whatever sleeve. your print yeah. sleeves. Just Put it on your, uh, put your um, your paper down. Get your uh, your print sleeve or your negative sleeves and put it on top of the paper. Get a piece of uh, picture frame glass. Uh, put it on top. Expose it for ten seconds at f eight. Interesting. And throw it in the tank um, or in the tray rather. Uh, or you can buy a uh, uh, a contact 
printer, like an yep. easel that you right. slide the actual right. negatives into. It, ha- it has the glass built in, but you don't need to go no. to that expense. No. Um, you know, and, and lo- like a lot of times, you'll if you buy uh, an eight by ten easel, a lot of times it comes with just a, a the bare piece of glass that you can just put on top. Right. Uh, of your uh, of your negatives and like we're not looking for perfect exposure on right. uh, on a contact print we're just trying to see a positive right um rendition of the of the negatives right, right. so uh you know just make sure and it you know it, it doesn't have to be nothing you don't have to worry about focus or anything like that because it's uh it's you know it's basically uh, contact printing. contact printed so right yeah and the nice thing is, again, these days we have the advantage of having scanners right. yeah. that I can usually scan image image and go, yep, this is one I want to print. Yeah. Yeah. That's well, that, that was the now. process I went through for t- the image sorry, for the image today was, yep. you know, I'd already scanned all these images. And so, you know, we can scan pretty quickly these days. So to get all that, have the digital copy anyways, and then you can use that to yeah. decide what. Well, yeah, especially your I method of scanning of using a uh, mirrorless camera. Yeah. Oh, yeah. My... Uh, Nikon CoolScan 5 takes forever yeah. to get through yeah. a roll of 36 that I choose. I'm a little better with my Epson V700, yeah. but yeah. Yeah, but I mean, for me, between the X, my X-T3 and then I've got the, the negative supply, the little, you kind of feed the whole strip in and then you just turn the wheel in advance, take a picture each time. I get through an entire roll in 90 seconds. It's, nice. it's pretty amazing, yeah. Sweet. But you know what? I recommend everyone get out there. Go to a community dark room, check it out. If you've got a friend that has a dark room, go check it out. It's an unbelievable experience. You'll fall in love with it. Absolutely. And I'll do some research and get some list of um, some local community dark rooms, both here in Southern Ontario and in um, the United States. Just, you know, the Southern Ontario, West North, Northwest New York area. Definitely worthwhile. We could honestly go on for hours when it comes to Darkroom, and we are definitely going to be exploring it more in our next season. But until then, um, my name's Alex Lokes, thanking you again for joining us for this wonderful season. We've gone through a bit of changes, but we are definitely looking forward to um, getting back into it in uh, 2020. This is James Lee. It's been a great year. Um, nice to have Brian uh, join us. Nice to have Chrissy uh, on the uh, podcast as well. And uh, hey, you know, the nice thing about a dark room is, uh, you know, you get to be in the dark uh, and get to get your fingers wet at the same time. Hey, it's Bill Smith. I'm wishing everyone all the best for the holiday season. See you all in a new year. And again, it, the fun always happens in the dark. My name is Brian Capricci, and thanks again, guys, for having uh, me on these few episodes. Come on, Brian, where is it? And uh, <laughs> there's got to be one yeah, in there. <laughs> the Please, first time doesn't hurt as bad as they say it does. <laughs> <laughs> this is John Meadows from behind the editing console, telling you that a trip through photography would not be complete without a stop in the red light district. See you next year. <laughs>